Hey, Rachel. Hey, Brian. So how was this week? Oh, what do you think? I mean, it, it was <laughs> terrible. It was, it's like that. For the usual reasons? <laughs> for the usual reasons and then some. So it's it's like that feeling when you're feeling really flush. So you buy a Bugatti and then you decide to take it out for a spin and you go to Midtown Manhattan for your first <laughs> ride and some idiot crashes into your car and... You know, you're just the, like those cost like two million dollars. Yes, and, and Trace, that sounds that's exactly remarkably like what Tracy Morgan <laughs> Tracy did Morgan yesterday. Tracy Morgan did that yesterday, and it was like a terrible situation, yet predictable. And I feel like yes. it's like bad but it's predictable been a week events of, bad decisions. of all around us. That's Think right. slow moving train wreck <laughs> or a fast moving train wreck. Okay, there's only one way to address that. This is this weekend. Nope, the podcast where we shut it down. No, my sign is no, my number is no. You need to let it go. You need to let it go. Need to let it go. Okay, Rachel, we have a first here on this week in Nope. A first, yes. So, um, for the first time ever, we spoke to someone to whom we gave a nope. (laughs) The Sydney Gaze. If you were listening last week, you heard about the Sydney Gaze, which is this Australian podcast that turned. The land down under, completely asunder. <laughs> and, oh, a little minute work there. Yeah, and and they DM'd me on, um, they followed me on Instagram, and then we started this DM conversation. Will Sabin and Jay Fisher, the two hosts, and Will was so nice, and he said he wanted to speak. So and you granted them an interview. So I granted them an interview, and I woke up at 6 a.m. this week, and we will have some excerpts from that conversation later. Okay, at the very end. At the so very if end. If you're not interested in this, you could still listen. Yes. Okay. Well, listen, Rachel. It's so good to be back from England. Welcome back. It's it's great to have you back. And Thank back you. And two weeks is a long time. And yes. You think you know you fantasize about having a two week vacation, but by the end, you're really what ready to. You're get ready back. to curl back into your home. own bed. Yeah. Your own bed. Yeah. So, what was the highlight of your trip? Well, you know, the best part of the trip happened before it really began. Oh, <laughs> do tell. So I was flying British Airways for the first time. I usually fly Virgin. Um, and I'm sitting in my seat, and then this peculiar man sits down next to me, and he's wearing uh, an all-black suit and a black tie. And I said, what an uncomfortable way to spend a eight-hour flight. An international <laughs> flight, <laughs> flight, yeah. That's right. So I get to talking to him, and it turns out that he is a diplomat from the island nation of Mauritius. Fascinating. Which I did not know. I got it a little confused with the Maldives and with Mauritania. It is neither of those. It's it neither is Mauritius. of those. That's yeah. correct. Um, and it turned out that he was returning from New York from a big United Nations vote because they were having a dispute with the United Kingdom where we were headed over some coral reef where there was a military base and sovereignty and it was very important to him and i had no idea what he was i'm talking sure about. yeah this yeah. is a big deal that's I'm right sure. and he was actually flying with the prime minister who was also on, your flight? on my flight that's right oh my goodness and um and you know he told me that they won the vote in the u.n 61 to 6 Oh, and he was so an excited overwhelming about victory that. Yeah. for Mauritius. There was a little like Borat dy- dynamic. <laughs> like on the one hand, he was like very international. But on the other hand, he was like, I love going to London because they have these trains that go under the earth and they go everywhere. <laughs> like the subway that <laughs> yes, has like been around two. for 150 <laughs> yeah. years. Okay. Yes, the underground. <laughs> so uh, we have very pleasant conversations. At the end of the flight, I say, why not? I said, you know, I would love to meet your prime minister. It would be a real Shoot honor. Shoot your shot, Brian. <laughs> I think you're right. He's He's... Steps away. I might as well meet the Prime Minister of Mauritius. And the guy says, 
<laughs> the guy says, sure, it would be an honor to have you meet our prime minister. So he's like, just at the end of the flight, I'll bring you over. Great. Okay. okay. And at the end of the flight, you know, there's always this like big melee scrum to get your baggage overhead. And I get my baggage and I look around and my guy is gone. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Missed opportunity, you know. Don't I didn't, shouldn't count my chickens don't before. Don't cross they, it don't. off the bucket list yet. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I just exit the plane, and then when I get to that like little gangplank thing, sure enough, there's my guy with who is clear the guy who's clearly the prime minister, his wife, and a delegation of about like eight diplomats from Mauritius. Oh my god, you had like a receiving for me. line. They were waiting for me. <laughs> wow. To meet me. Wow. So I go up to the Prime Minister and he, you know, I'm introduced and I congratulate him on his staggering victory in the United Nations. It was like this, David and Goliath. Yes, there. this underwater <laughs> victory for the coral reef. It's amazing. That's right. And then we all get bustled through this like secret exit, this like little like maintenance door. Wait, so you just sort of like got, I got caught? caught up. I got caught up in the frenzy, the Mauritian <laughs> frenzy. Okay. And I get taken down this like utility staircase and they throw up in the store and we're on the tarmac of Heathrow and there's like a whole motorcade of SUVs and Escalades or whatever they have there. And I, I'm just like, I don't know what to do. And then like someone like takes my bag and like starts Wait, throwing it. Wait, and they're putting in. you into like a Mauritian a, diplomatic right, vehicle? It's a diplomatic vehicle. And I realized like, I, I'm not sure. And I'm like, does this take you to the baggage claim? <laughs> 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 that's where I, that's where my other bags are. Oh, my God. And then my, my guy, the guy sitting next to me, sees me. His jaw drops with horror. And he's like, no, no you're nope, not supposed nope. to be here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're so, like an unregistered foreign agent <laughs> to like a... I'm like Paul Manafort. You're like on enemy soil. And no, like, it's like possible terror. I'm like an unauthorized person on the tarmac oh in my Heathrow. God. So I grab my bag. <laughs> I drop it. I put my hands up. I like surrender to the police there. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not supposed to be here. I admit it. Just take me away. So they literally like swarm me. Oh my goodness. I grab my bag and they take me back up through this like secure back exit. And then when I get back up, they like push me and eject me back with the commoners. And there I am. You're back in the flow of the crowd. Okay. So I hope your relationship with this (laughs) diplomat isn't forever destroyed. He did issue an invitation for me to be the honored guest of the government of Mauritius. Okay. To go snorkeling well, or something. Maybe I don't that know could be our next there. stop on right. our nope tour. And then I was at a dinner party and I was across from a guy from the Maldives. Oh, it's very confusing. Yes, those, I got yeah. them confused because Maldives is sinking and Mauritius isn't, or maybe it is also. Mauritius is a big surf def- destination. Yeah, I that's think. right. Yeah. So I was very, I was really, I went to England and I was immersed in the world of oh my God, islands that's that start eventful. With this is dramatic. You're like <laughs> James Bond. Oh my goodness. So okay, that's well, my, that nope was the best you, part of my. For, for just like for commandeering, the commandeering their delegation. <laughs> this is you're a hanger on of the Mauritian delegation. Okay, now you mentioned to me that we have a, a correction that just like Mauritius and Maldives is also an MM. Yes, uh, Mandy Moore. Um, she was in the headline of our podcast last <laughs> week, and we were talking about her in the context of all these unqualified people who are creating this 
deadly bottleneck at the top of Mount Everest. And the situation resulted in like 12 deaths already. And I mentioned that I saw Mandy Moore had posted a selfie from Mount Everest. From but, the summit. From the summit. But <laughs> so she was... Mandy Moore had <laughs> summited Mount Everest, but like it, Sir Edmund Hillary. She, she was not like <laughs> Sir Edmund Hillary. She was at the bottom of Mount Everest. <laughs> and um, Wait, so she did like an echo tour and she stood at the bottom of Well, Mount yeah. So it's like this 10 to 20 day trek, which is still very difficult to reach this place called Base Camp. And Brooke Hammerling was just going bananas about this because she's been following the situation on Mount Everest very closely. And so it, it turns out that Mandy was at the bottom, not the top. But the headlines were very misleading. They said People Magazine was like, Mandy Moore made it to Mount Everest Base Camp as the mountain's death toll rises. So I thought... They make it sound like she is causing like she, the death like toll. Not she only did she make it... <laughs> climbers. So nope to People Magazine and nope to to me for um, incorrectly attributing uh, Mandy Moore to going to I the I hope summit. she doesn't listen. I hope her like our show title didn't show up in her like search engine or in her Google alerts. I hope not. I, I really do. But, but I also know. feel like on more broadly, I don't think anybody should even be approaching Mount Everest to go to the bottom or the top Shouldn't, or anywhere. Nobody should get near it. Just go to Kilimanjaro and take the, <laughs> the little... The, the tram the up. Tra- okay, no. <laughs> Okay, Rachel, uh, bring us back to the United States, please. Earth. Okay. Um, Well, we love San Francisco. We just got back from there a few weeks ago. We did a live show. But there are um, a lot of unusual things happening this week, and we need to address them. Okay. Um, Josh sent me this press release, and people in the food and beverage business were going crazy over it. And sometimes the press release just speaks for itself. So I'm just going to read it. You're just going to read it. Okay. It says, for immediate release. Rats and booze at the rat bar in San Francisco dungeon. The rats return. Get your amaretto sour at the San Francisco dungeon this June. Okay. Limited space available. The the dungeon? It is a bar called, it is a venue called the dungeon. Is it like an S&M venue? No, it's like a. Like a hip. It's like a place where they do like an interactive show about like the history of San Francisco dungeons. (laughs) So let me read the press release. In San Francisco, (laughs) famous for its dungeons. (laughs) So this is the release: cocktails and vermin. Anyone from the crazy fucks at the San Francisco dungeon who brought you the inexplicably popular rat cafe comes the next iteration (laughs) of what the department of public health will allow rat bar journey into the dark place where live rats run free and the booze flows like water Wait, 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 wait. they're having actual rats run free in this bar (laughs) yes oh my god (laughs) yes Yes. The San Francisco Dungeon will host this peculiar pop-up bar for a limited time only, Thursday, June 13th through Saturday, June 15th, or until the rats drink themselves into a stupor. Here's how it will work. Right off the rat bat, arrive and start drinking Rat Bar's signature cocktail, the Amaretto Sour. Take one guess what's in it. Yes, Amaretto, some kind of citrusy mix, and a rat's tail as a garnish. (laughs) No, 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 wait. There's an actual rat's tail, like that's, as a cocktail stirrer, as a swizzle stick? That's what they said. <laughs> that's what it says. And next, pay attention, because this is the part you need to know. You and your odd little friend who booked this will experience the San Francisco Dungeon, the 60-minute interactive show where you'll learn all about the weird, twisted, dark side of the city's history. And trust us, there's a lot to take in on that front. 
You'll move through different points in time with actors recreating San Francisco's darkest moments through the gold rush, Chinatown gangs, Miss Piggott's saloon, where you'll get shanghaied, Alcatraz. <laughs> Wait, people are going to get shanghaied? Like pressed into naval service? Yes. <laughs> the plague. Yes, more rats. <laughs> and conclude in an Alcatraz prison cell where super creepy ghosts fuck with you. Oh, my God. Okay. Once you emerge from the show, the rat canoodling begins. You will have 30 <laughs> minutes to touch and hold the rats. No! <laughs> We've partnered no! with Radical... People are going to pay for this? <laughs> yes. To touch and hold rats? Just walk out the street in New York City and, like, crouch down <laughs> at dusk. They'll come run into your arms. It is not for us to judge. Or <laughs> we to say... <laughs> Also, San Francisco is different from here. They're not like us. <laughs> They're not like us. They 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 enjoy they enjoy <laughs> playing with day. rats, I guess. I don't know. I really don't know. So you can hang out with the rats, make new friends with freaky rat lovers, and share a toast in honor of your newly minted furry friends. Okay, I have to say that this is peak pop-up. We have made fun <laughs> of pop-ups for over a year here, almost two years, and uh, this is it. This is the end this of the world. This is the end of the world, Forty nine ninety nine per person. Oh, oh, there's a cover charge? Yes. You don't, it's not enough to go in and drink the rat, the drinks? And <laughs> Among rats. The, the amarettos and... At the rats? No, it's forty nine ninety nine per person. And last year, they, this is the second time they're doing this. The rat cafe sold out in forty five minutes. Oh my god! So there's a market People want for an everything. Event. They'll there's... line up for cronuts. They'll line up for rat festivals. <laughs> Just create a velvet rope, and the people will come. I'm going to put a velvet rope around this little disgusting park that's around the corner from me, where there's like rats running rampant and charge admission, and turn it into a rat bar. It's a profit center. I don't know. You may get sued for patent infringement. Or... <laughs> okay, no, shut this down. No, Do no. not go to the rat bar. Do not drink it's a an real amaretto. Thing. Do not just boycott San Francisco for the weekend. Stay in your nice homes, and if you're in San Francisco, stay in. Stay the in. Suburbs. Don't, don't just go stay out. In. Do not go outside. <laughs> shut it down. No. no, no. Well, at least that's the only thing going on in San Francisco this <laughs> no, week. <laughs> there's something else. So um, we've talked about bike sharing and ride sharing and scooter sharing in San Francisco. And now there's this new Swedish startup in the MAS, M-A-A-S, like SAS, Mobility as a Service okay. space. And they're coming to San Francisco in the fall. It's called Kangaroo with a C. Oh. Not Sangaroo. Not Sangaroo, Kangaroo. And that they are going to be offering pogo sticks that oh. you can rent to hop around oh. San Francisco, which we were there. It, like, <laughs> it's what not could, hoppable. What it could not possibly, hoppable. Like, like 90 degree <laughs> angles. Like <laughs> You take one hop and you're like you're dead. in the ambulance. <laughs> What could go wrong? You sprain your back. So they clearly do not know the topography of this, these Swedes. They're coming to San Francisco. They think it's this like tech hub, and they don't realize the impracticality. You're not you're not pogo sticking around Palo Alto, which is <laughs> mostly flat. You're right. They're going to go up like Lombard Street <laughs> right. on a pogo stick. <laughs> fucking imagine so the company says in this press release that they are challenging e-scooter sharing companies with a new type of vehicle for urban environments and then the company's mission statement describes them as an alternative joyful way of getting to wherever life takes no. you yeah Let's in an say, ambulance no. 
Let's do a thought experiment here. Let's say that you are the world's best pogo sticker, and you decide that you are up for the challenge, that you are going to try to pogo stick around San Francisco. How is that an efficient or fun way to get around the city? First of all, it would take you like three hours to go two blocks. Right. And you're, you're going to get knocked over by the homeless people who or, are, or the scooter people. You're going to crash into the scooter. There's people. like a hierarchy. There's like the Ubers, which are below the zip cars, <laughs> which are the, the the scooters, and then the pogo sticks, <laughs> and the ter- the segways, Don't the segways. <laughs> no, just no. walk or. Get in a car, get in a cab. Or just don't go outside. Just go outside. <laughs> Stay inside, San Franciscans. <laughs> go to go to Beta Brand. Go to Beta Brand. Go to Beta Brand. Watch a nice po- live podcast. Buy some cool clothes. They will protect you <laughs> from the rats you. Go to the and from the Valencia. <laughs> no, no. Just shut this no. down. San Francisco, you deserve better. We leave it to you to shut this down on your own. <laughs> Shut it down. Shut no. It down. no. <laughs> okay, Rachel, what do you got? So um, I want to share a personal story. I oh. haven't done this in a while. but yeah. um, So I was watching CNN this week, and Chris Cuomo trotted out um, Kimberly Guilfoyle. Oh, she's on all the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's that Fox former Fox anchor who she's now dating Donald Trump Jr., working on the Trump campaign. And she was there to defend these um, Mexico tariffs. You know, Trump is threatening to impose a 5% tariff on all Mexican goods if they don't control this crisis at the border. Which they have no ability to do. Which but the, okay. Right. Okay. It's, I mean, and it's all very scary because as anybody who took economics or has ever read a book knows um, tariffs, <laughs> tariffs are attacked. Well, you wrote your like master's thesis on this, yes, didn't you? On like yes. the causes of the Great Depression, on like Smoot Hawley. The interwar period. Smoot Hawley. <laughs> <laughs> Take that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, and, and tariffs are attacks on ordinary Americans. The price of everything from the food we eat to cars and appliances are going to go so up. So you're raising taxes. So, right. right. So it's, it's a very, very stupid, rash decision, not to mention that it throws off a potential renegotiation of NAFTA, which was a centerpiece of Trump's campaign and whatever. Okay, so Kimberly Guilfoyle is there to lie and defend the Trump agenda. And she's praising the policies, insisting there's no crisis. And she said that the tariffs will be painful, but that sometimes we have to suck it up for the country and deal with a little short-term struggle for the greater good. And I'm just thinking, fuck this. No, I'm not (laughs) suffering for these monsters. This is nonsense. It's totally unnecessary. And everything about what she was saying was an abomination. So in a moment of weakness and um, immaturity, I went on Twitter and I said that she looked like a gargoyle. Okay. Um, and I wasn't only referring to her looks. It was her whole demeanor that made her resemble a gargoyle. And her last name she sort of... demeanor shaming her. I was demeanor and look... <laughs> I was look shaming her. And, she, you know, her name sounds like a gargoyle. Yes, so, so it was a lot close. of different senses <laughs> at work. And I, I knew it was wrong. And I pushed the button sort of out of this, like, weird feeling of, like, masochism. Like, I wanted the whole world to know, like, what a garbage monster I was and how I'm, you know, just judging this person. And I kind I knew what would happen did next. You get, did you get flamed? Did oh you get trolled? my God. So the MAGA brigade starts tweeting at me and asking <sighs> me if I looked in the mirror lately. And <sighs> someone said I was a representative of Satan. Someone posted, sent a picture of my head superimposed on a gargoyle. 
Um, another man said that Kimberly Guilfoyle is beautiful and he'd happily gargle her all night long. And I'm never going to get that image out of my head. But the worst part about this whole thing is that I was shamed for insulting Kimberly Guilfoyle's appearance by people on the left who I respect. Really? Yes. So there's this woman named Lee Goldman, who is a person in the media world. We follow each other. And she quote tweeted me and said, come on, let's not do this. And I decided in that moment that I'm not backing down. I'm not (laughs) deleting the tweet. (laughs) (laughs) And I have to own the consequences of my choices. So I responded to her by saying, I said what I said. And then I saw... Wow, Rachel, this is unlike you. <laughs> I know, it was great. Wait, wait. In deciding what we were going to talk about, we were going to do a piece about <laughs> granny panties <laughs> and how, how they're coming back, like Rihanna is doing them. Yeah. And you're like, no, we cannot panty shame people. I'm like, yes, we can. That's all we do. I know, and, and here, here I you am. are, like gargoyle <laughs> shaming. Kimberly Guilfoyle. You're a hypocrite. I'm a total hypocrite. But that is my point of this. Own it. Own it. I said what I said. Good for you. So there were were all these other women who I respect, like Monica Lewinsky and Alyssa Mastromonaco, who were liking Leah Goldman's tweet that was shaming me for calling Kimberly (laughs) Kelpoyle a gargoyle. (laughs) So I wanted to just take this opportunity (laughs) to say nope once again to myself. I am the gargoyle. And I let my anger get the best of me, which is dangerous on Twitter. So I will keep my mean-spirited thoughts to myself going forward. Why can't it be a parody? Like, uh, why can't you just have – we can't have a sense of humor. Like, the if you think about, like, going back to Thomas Nast and Private Eye, what, what do you do? You take someone who has, like, particular physical characteristics and you caricature it. Right. And if someone looks like a gargoyle, you draw them as a gargoyle. <laughs> right. right. So – Right. So, I mean – And we take Trump and we draw him as – like this monster, the balloon, the baby balloon. I so think, what's so wrong about well, you comparing? I think when it, it comes to women, I think there's like okay. a sort of like you know mutual non-aggression <laughs> agreement. I don't know, Trust but verify. But you know, I knew it was wrong. It's not like this was like a teachable moment for me. I did it <laughs> okay. anyway. And... I refuse to say nope to you. I, I'm going to say nope to the haters. Okay, okay, we can. <laughs> Reasonable people can disagree. <laughs> okay, so okay, shut this all down. Shut it down. So okay, you, thank you, you for coming clean about <laughs> <okay>. this. <laughs> You've cleared your name. Okay, I am a representative of Satan. <laughs> okay. okay. I have one more story about um, my trip to England. Uh, so Doug and I decided that as part of the quintessential London experience, we're going to go see a show in London's West End. And we were poking around to see what was available at the last minute, and we were tempted by Man of La Mancha starring Kelsey Grammer. Oh, <laughs> the ex-husband of Camille Grammer. <laughs> Luckily, sanity prevailed, and instead we sh- chose an uplifting play by Henrik Ibsen, whose oh, name God, I... Oh, God, don't get me started about <laughs> Ibsen. Name, the name of the play I cannot recall because it is like in like the second derivative of Norwegian, and I have no idea what it is. But imagine my delight and surprise when I sat down at my seat and stuck into the, the seat behind, in front of me almost like you know when you get the menu in front of you like or the duty free thing in the seat on the airline is something called ordertorium and it's you sit we serve oh which i thought was really neat like like the could, alamo draft house yeah you could just order from your seat right except it's a live play which is, <laughs> complicates things a little bit so apparently you just have to download their app or hold your menu high up and then quote relax as we deliver straight to your seat 
So first question is like, does this supposed to happen before the play or during the play? There's one thing to bring you something during a movie. It's right. another thing. And also, this is not like you can walk through the aisles to bring you nachos. This and it's is annoying like, during a movie, too. Oh, of I mean, I can only imagine okay, how much worse it is. Here's what's more annoying. So <laughs> I open up the menu and I'm like, this is a delight. It sounds delicious. Why don't I see what they have? And of course, they have wine and beer and very English. They have gin and tonic. But then they also have popcorn and ice cream. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Now, can you imagine sitting through like a dour, dark like Ibsen, an Ibsen play? play eating popcorn. <laughs> someone eating popcorn and like slurping. It's grounds ice for cream. murder. Yes, it's- yes. Okay. That was not the worst of it. Then I figured, like, oh, on the back cover, there'd be little like about this play or about this service. No. On the back page was. <laughs> I haven't told you the story. <laughs> On the back page is our selection of bagel sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> never Why? mind. You should never eat a bagel in England. But here were here some of their selections. They had the Mediterranean, which is falafel, hummus, grilled peppers, and halloumi cheese. They have the fisherman, which, of course, is smoked salmon and cream cheese. But then my favorite was the Englishman, which is honey roasted ham, mature cheddar, rocket, and Branston. Ham on a bagel? Mature cheddar, rocket, and Branston pickles. This is like an anti-Semitic troll. (laughs) It's completely anti-Semitic. An anti-theater. An anti-everything we hold dear. Could you imagine having like a Branston pickle and ham bagel? In the middle of the middle of an play? Having held up your menu and having someone like... Like jumping on a ham bagel sandwich. (laughs) And the funny thing is the guy next to me had ice cream. (laughs) He was eating like from a a Dixie cup. The play? (laughs) It was very dark. Like the two lovers walk into a watermill and get crushed and drowned to death at the end. And like water pours onto the stage, which was much. I mean, they should have been eating bagels. If they had just had a nice bagel, maybe it would have turned out better. So no, No. London Theater. This is just like. This is a terrible idea. No, do not let, uh, what's it called? Auditorium into your auditorium. This is just, they're trying to be open to disruption. This I is, think they're just trying to commercialize every yes. single possible element. People sitting in the in the seats, they might be hungry. Let's sell them something exactly at the expense of this beautiful, beautiful play. No, shut this no. down. I hope no this doesn't come to New York. <laughs> That's the worst name ever. No, shut it down. No. Okay, speaking of uh, of reaching for every penny you could get, um, we've all heard the stories about these like super mega mansions that people are buying. There's all these uh, penthouses here in New York on Billionaire's Row, and it's even worse in Los Angeles because there's all these people building these mansions on spec. If you ever watched like Million Dollar Listing, oh, yeah. you'll see it in LA. Yeah, right? my like, friend Candace Jackson did that huge story for the New York Times Magazine about that property that was going for a billion dollars, and I think it just went bankrupt. Now, sells, sells for like a thousand dollars. Yeah. That's right. Well, there's a lot of those. There are 100 homes in L.A. listed over $20 million, including one that's called The One. That's the one. Oh, for $500 million, right? And the problem is that the market is soft now because there's such an oversupply that the people who are funding these spec homes, like the debt people, they're worried because they're going to default. And the lengths that they're going to to like market these things are ridiculous. For like the 500 people in the world who are like selling to each other. And they're all in Dubai anyway, so they're not going to see this. So there's like a 7,600-square-foot home um, who's they've been? It's been branded in all caps. Warhol nine zero two one zero, 
and it has no connection to Warhol. They're just calling it that. And then there's another one that has a secret room for growing and smoking marijuana that's accessible only by a secret door in the lobby. It's legal. You don't need a secret room. <laughs> secret door. Okay. But that's just what they're doing to the homes. Okay. So what they have to do to get people there to even look at these homes is they have to throw these incredibly outrageous parties. And on the TV shows, they show some of these where they'll have like a dunking tank or a swan in the pool or something, Fine. right? Or they bake cookies. Create a little excitement. Right. Okay. No, 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 no. That is amateur hour. Here. <laughs> Okay. Here's an example of one that has really caught my attention. It, one is a Hieronymus Bosch themed open house. <laughs> Why would you want that? <laughs> right, it's, so, like, it's like hell, right? Well, I'm getting it's there. So this is uh, the garden. They're recreating the Garden of Earthly Delights. It's a forty million dollar home. Uh, the three. This is all from the Wall Street Journal, by the way. I'm not doing. This is not original reporting. The three levels were organized into heaven, earth, and hell. And models in colorful twilled dresses swam in the property's glass-bottomed pool. There were actors posing as Adam and Eve while hosting a virtual reality game that allowed guests to enter a rendition of the Bosch painting. And people drank whiskey infused with the body of a dead cobra. (laughs) (laughs) They should have called the rat bar people with swizzle sticks of rat tails. So the dead cobra and dancing women dressed in leather whips and chains while a camel stood at the entrance to greet guests. Is there a camel in the Garden of Wait, Earthly these Delights? These are elements that have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> it's like a Stefan party. <laughs> this open this house has everything. <laughs> Adam and Eve. A, a dead cobra. A camel. I'll buy the house at a premium. Yeah. In what world is this going to convince somebody to buy a house? <laughs> the world of people for whom money is no object. Well, to your point, it is not working. Um, de- <laughs> shocking. Shockingly. Uh, developer Ario Fakeri uh, has chopped the asking price for his Hollywood Hills home with a 300-gallon uh, indoor shark tank. Who among us? <laughs> as seen in the TV show Shark Tank from $27 million to, oh no, from 35, from $35 million to $27 million. Oh. So they're really coming down in price no matter how many shark tanks you have. We are at late stage capitalism. This is, this this is, is the, the end. end. This is the end. Uh, if there ever was If you're a thinking sign. of buying in the Hollywood Hills, all I can say is hold out for a deal. Yes. Because the prices are only going down from here. No, no, no. no. Real estate is terrible. I want to talk to some of those actors who had to perform. <laughs> they, these people should win an Oscar. They're like uh, catering. Uh, what are those called? The cater cater waiters. Right, but they're, they're like struggling actors right. who are is like the Adam. Gig. Na- they're like fig leaves. Are Adam and Eve like strippers with fig leaves? I don't know. But they clearly had to be. Does the camel know what's going on? It's being exploited. It's. This it's is tragic terrible. No, for no, involved. just shut no. this down. No, no. Okay, while we are, there's a lot of California in this. Uh, so while we are in Southern California, I am going to. This is thanks to Karen Novak, our executive producer. Um, she forwarded us a job listing from Craigslist, um, and. This is another one just like yours that I think the text speaks for itself. (laughs) We always like to return to the primary text when possible. So here we go. This is the job listing. Unusual opportunity for all caps live in part-time writer slash editor slash receptionist. Many hats to wear. Wanted for 
pro bonobo community. Wait, what's a pro? First of all, <laughs> I, I have a couple of things. Like the to monkey say. or the pants? If the first two words of a job listing are, are unusual, opportunity. Just stop shut there it down. and scroll down. <laughs> just save not yourself you. the time. But what is a pro bonobo community? I think we might be able to infer a little okay. bit more. It's run by a, a pro bonobo community run by internationally renowned media sexologist, best selling author, and institute director, Dr. Susan Block. You must be a good writer and editor with a nice telephone voice and personality. Okay. Okay. Those are good reasonable. In this live-in part-time position, you'll be editing, writing, and posting pieces about The Bonobo Way, The Evolution of Peace Through Pleasure, the book and the philosophy, our social media site, Bonoboville, our Saturday (laughs) night live broadcasts, and our telephone sex therapy practice, as well as answering the phone. During Wait, your four-hour so, shift. So this is not like SNL. This is just their, <laughs> they their just broadcasting have a, they have a on live Saturday. Saturday night show. It basically is counter-programming to SNL. <laughs> okay. You can either watch SNL. Or the Bonobo <laughs> Live show. Okay. This is a all caps barter position. You give us four hours a day, six days a week, including Saturday nights, of course, because they've got to produce the show. In, <laughs> in return, you'll get a nice, fairly large private studio, all you can eat. It's like a buffet. <laughs> all you can eat, free internet, laundry, maid service for the common areas, secure park garden, and a very cool bohemian atmosphere in our Arcadia location with an erotic art gallery, studio, and bar within an exciting, vibrant, socialist-style, capitalist-oriented community of artists, writers, technologists, and sexologists. Wait, so you're, you're basically they're like, we're going to... You're an indentured servant <laughs> who's going to live in an office and do all of our work. And in we're our not sexology gonna... <laughs> studio, which is pro bonobo, whatever that means. <laughs> and we'll feed you some food that we're not specifying. It might be. But it's from a buffet. It's all you can eat. What if you eat a feast and you want more? We, we don't know. And there's no accounting for quality. Okay. So the final thing here is um, it says questions. Call or text this number and ask for Harry. But her name is Susan. So <laughs> who's Harry? Harry? That's the real question here. Maybe. Is he the one who's doing the job that they're replacing? <laughs> maybe. Maybe he's interviewing his replacement. Is it a bonobo? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's an ape? Okay. If anyone okay. who listens to this podcast applies it for applies this job. applies to job, please, we will give you a phone interview <laughs> and feature you prominently on Nope. We have to know. What could possibly go wrong with uh, this I mean, job? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a terrific opportunity. Um, I wish you the best of luck as you apply. No, no, just no, no, shut no. this down. <laughs> okay. Speaking of phone interviews. Okay. So uh, we have our conversation with the Sydney gays, Will Sabin and Jay Fisher. The first time we ever spoke to someone we <laughs> noped after the fact. Um, and, you know, they sort of turned a nope into a yup because they, they're pretty, they they're pretty did. good. They're good sports. They are good sports. So, you know, just to summarize it, they had a terrible podcast and the second podcast was them apologizing for the first one. And here's, here's our conversation. I can't believe you're speaking to me after I gave you a nope, which is a first for our show. So what, what do you want to say to the New York and to the American audience? Basically, we wanted to say that we're really appreciative that we've had an outreach so far that people like yourself have been able to listen to us, and we feel like it's been super wild that we've even had an outreach like this, despite 
um, it maybe not being what we had anticipated, we're still really fortunate that we've been able to get our word out as much as we have. We really do feel like it started off as an innocent podcast, and we really know that in the first episode we didn't delve into deeper issues, but we don't feel like we did anything wrong, and we really, um, uh, we're really had, had having such a great time recording it, you know? I think it's yeah. crazy how a 30-minute podcast can cause so much controversy, and it was really nothing um, in there that we thought was going to offend people, but it seems to rolled up a few gays in our country, so, um, yeah, interesting. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, why do you think that this podcast caused such a commotion? Millions of people do podcasts every day. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, we did set out originally, like, we obviously said that we're going to talk about um, the deeper issues and cover um, those within the series. And obviously, the first episode was originally just meant to be, it was always going to be, a um, introduction to who we are and how we know each other and what we do for work and just kept it really like high level and not um, delving into anything deep until we got into a second episode. But yeah, what did you think um, of the first episode? I know that you had a few things to say. Like from your point of view, what did you think um, about it? Well, it's it's not like I, I mean I am like a straight married woman living in New York my you know I'm very I'm an ally very interested in these issues but like for me it was very Australian very specific to one culture so it wasn't like exactly the thing that I would be listening to but my friend Gerald who I think you guys know told me to take a listen to it and said it's causing a huge controversy in Australia and I I just you know I was like okay like what like why is this yeah, why? Like, well, I, I, as I said in the podcast, I was like a little bit jealous because I've been doing this podcast for a year and a half, and I wish it it caused such a commotion. You're going to talk America. about yourself more and how many followers you have on Instagram, <laughs> and people will talk shit about you. Okay, <laughs> maybe I, that's, that's what I do. need to do. That's what I need to do. Just talk so, about Coachella. Talk about Beyonce. <laughs> talk about Paris Hilton, and you'll be sweet, girl. All right. Okay, that's what I'll do. Um, what are you guys going to do for episode we- three to raise the bar? I mean, so episode one was this whole thing about Coachella and the gym, and episode two was apologizing for episode one. So how do you raise the bar? (laughs) Episode three actually just came out today in Australia, and we had a really amazing friend of Jay's called Rocky, and he is a Samoan gay guy who has had a really amazing positive coming out experience, and he talks about his life being a fluffy, as he calls it, plus-size guy of color coming into the Sydney gay scene. And we really kind of spoke to him about that and what it was like. And and we feel that um, it was kind of like switching up and getting some, um, as he says it, some chocolate diversity up in here. (laughs) Great. Um, That sounds awesome. I will take a listen to it. And what are you guys going to do for Pride? We actually have for our next, episode we have a acrobatic porn star on our next episode for pride. <laughs> oh, fabulous okay um we're, great we're gonna let off the confetti cannons we're gonna be dressed in rainbow we're gonna have glitter going everywhere it's gonna be a fun time 
Awesome. Um, well, thank you guys for being such good sports. Um, we did give you a note, but I'm giving you guys a yup for taking the time <laughs> to chat. Um, I really appreciate it. I did hear you. that you I did hear that you did give us a five-star rating, though, so yes, girl, thank you. I did. I really did, because I was like, why is it one and a half stars? Like, it can't be that bad. It was, they just had two episodes. Like, people need to, like, calm down. Isn't it crazy that literally in the first, for our first episode, we received over 900 reviews? I mean, and it's unbelievable. It's but I mean, unbelievable. someone like Oprah Winfrey in her in her podcast, she has like I don't know, like shitloads of episodes since 2017 or something, and she's got like 1,700 reviews, and we got 900 in the first episode. In the first day, you, I mean, you could oh not like ask for more of a response. I guess it's good you got feedback. You're responding to it. What you know, it's good. Um, I mean, for the two vapid old queens, we certainly got people talking. <laughs> Seriously, you really did. So um, congratulations on that, and um, I wish you guys all the best. I really do. Thank you. Thank you, and thank you for getting up so early. <laughs> Okay, they were good. They were good. They're nice guys. Now, my friend Gerald, who sort of knows the Sydney gays, who told us about this podcast, says he now has to go into witness protection <laughs> to hide <laughs> okay. from them. We only have one request, Sydney gays. We had a huge surge in Australia topic uh, in Australia audience when we mentioned you last week, even though it was in a disparaging way. And now <laughs> we have featured you, and it's in a positive way. Yes. So please, on your podcast that has a million listeners and yet a one and a half star review. Well, it's going up. They oh, have two stars up. now. Oh, so. right. Congratulations. Please mention us on yeah. your that and on your social and everything. Like, we're relying on you. And we, we have, have a, a lot of Australian-centered content. So, that's right. Yeah. We're basically an Australian podcast. Yes. So, sort of a nope yup, but thank sort you for a, participating, A yope. And also, yope. call us if you ever want to feature <laughs> us on your podcast. We're around. We're available. Okay. That's the end of our proper, proper nopes. Uh, now it's time for the ups. These are the things that provide us with a little ray of light, a little beacon of hope in this terrible week. Rachel, what do you have? Okay. It is unequivocally going to When They See Us on Netflix. This is... Uh, well, that's the name of a show. It's the name of a show. When it's a four-part uh, miniseries created by Ava DuVernay, the director, and it is a masterpiece. What Chernobyl is to HBO, When They See Us is to Netflix. Um, and they're both, I mean, even though they focus... Is there a on, nuclear meltdown? They, well, the thing is that they're both these late... 80s period pieces focused on very different areas of the world, but they treat them both like real life horror movies and they both bring to bear. Wait, you didn't say it. it's about the Central Park it's Five. About, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's about the case of the Central Park Five who were teenage boys, mostly minors, accused of brutally raping a jogger and they were later exonerated by DNA evidence. So it is really one of the tragic stories of our time. And, um, and the, the, the flames were fueled by Donald Trump. By Donald Trump. So it has to do... It, brings Back to bear then, even, yeah. some insight on what's going on right now, as does Chernobyl um, in Russia and just sort of the bumbling of all the bureaucrats on that show. So um, it's chilling and no detail hasn't been attended to. So please watch when they see us on Netflix. 
Okay, my yup is this. Uh, it's a very New York yup, so if you're interested in New York, this is the one for you. Um, there's a restaurant called Pastis that was sort of a spinoff of Balthazar, which when it when it launched in the 90s was like the hip place to be. I was actually there in the late 90s with Doug and Jen Sr., and in one sitting, we ran into um, Sylvester Stallone, Madonna, and Deepak Chopra. I mean, wh- where could- else? <laughs> where <laughs> else would that ever have happened? <laughs> and then a few years later, the same guy, Keith McNally, opened this other place, Pastis, in the meat packing district, and it had a great long run. It's, it was a great restaurant. It was a great restaurant. It wasn't just like a celebrity magnet. It was actually really good food, as Balthazar still is. And um, and yet, it closed at some point. It was some real estate deal. It's not that it wasn't doing well. And finally, they just announced that it's going to be reopening Keith McNally with a partner. Steven Starr. With from, Steve, oh, Stephen Starr with Philadelphia, a great yeah. track record. And um, I think it's going to be great. And I look forward to doing it. And of course, it will be like a time where you can't even get a reservation. But like all these places, they simmer down and then they rely on neighborhood locals. And I hope to be one of those. It's a beacon of light. I love pasties. It's great. A nice throwback it's to the a ultimate, better time. It's the ultimate yup. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Boy, we have been doing great in the ratings. Thank you so much for listening. Yes, it's we your love support you guys. that does it. Um, and we hope that you love us. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're thirsty for praise and for five-star reviews yeah, and for really does help, subscriptions and ratings and reviews. And um, this and is what keeps us going. Recommendations. Talk to real people. Talk to people. How many people come up to you? Seriously, Rachel, this is just me to you. How many people come up to you and say, I'm looking for a new podcast. Can you recommend anything? Every day. Every single day. Multiple times a day. And what do you do? You grab their phone. And I subscribe them to Nope. And then, you know, I tell them about Well, a few I start other typing things. in This Week In and it gives me This Week in Tech, This Week in this week in Game nuclear. and Thrones, this Game in Nuclear. And like the 15th one down is This Week in Nope. And uh, we. Let's bring it up to the first. Let's bring it up to the first. Absolutely. That is our goal. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a terrible, terrible week. It's been a really fun time to record this podcast, though. This has been This Week in Nope, the podcast where we shut it down. Wanna be my new friend? We got a lot in common. We can do. 